How can we really eradicate heart disease? Welcome to a special segment on medical education on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today, Dr. Morteza Nagavi, chairman and founder of SHAPE, the Society for Heart Attack Prevention and Eradication. Also joining us is Dr. P.K. Shah, Chief of Cardiology at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, Professor of Medicine at UCLA, also a member of SHAPE's Board of Directors. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Good to be here. I'd like to start with Dr. Nagavi. We've talked in other shows about screening, and I'd like to talk a little bit about what to do once we've identified the vulnerable patient. There's this concept out there known as the Poly pill. Is it one giant pill that's the size of a grapefruit? <laughs> or tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. The concept of poly pill followed a revolutionary publication by a group of two scientists from UK that calculated the potential risk reduction of coronary and other vascular events based on a combination therapy of ACE inhibitor, lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and uh, administering folic acid and statins. So that concept was studied on and uh, published in several years, resulting into the understanding that if we blindly approach the high-risk population or general population in order to risk to reduce the risk in high-risk population, we can do better than going only after the high-risk individuals. This concept fundamentally is true, and we believe there are merits in that but there are significant legal and regulatory issues in administering polypill. Right. Well, we do have a, a mini polypill. Caduet does have two arms treated with treating blood pressure and getting a statin in there. Is it a good start? That's correct. It just doesn't seem like Caduet is that popular. Well, there are other reasons perhaps for that, but there is. this is one step towards the right direction. I believe Dr. Fuster has started an initiative in Spain by taking the first step, approaching the high-risk population, those who have actually had coronary events, and they were able to get through the legal barriers. We've written a paper on this and highlighted the regulatory issues. There are several issues associated with such appeal, but essentially we believe that there is merit and should be studied. Indeed, CDC reported on this that this is an area of interest need to be researched on, but we're not ready yeah, we're not there yet. But psychologically, I think it would make sense because people don't like taking a lot of pills. And compliance-wise, it would be a benefit to have everything combined into one. So I do see the merit of the poly pill, but it seems like we're a way off. The initial issue that you mentioned, the Society of SHAPE, SHAPE is standing for Society for Heart Attack Prevention and Eradication. Our focus is not on eradicating heart disease. That's rather ambitious, but it is on eradicating heart attack. If you are able to identify the high-risk individuals and recommend aggressive treatment and also raise their education so they know if they have chest pain, what to do and not delay six, seven hours, which is a national average and so many other things that they can do, you really can eradicate heart attack. So the vision of pursuing heart attack eradication is slightly different than eradicating heart disease. We believe this is reachable. It's not too ambitious, and it's not just a dream. I'm sure Dr. Shaw can tell you with his vision of putting together a revolutionary vaccine for atherosclerosis. That's the ultimate dream that we're chasing. I want to get to that, but before that, Dr. Shaw, 
When I'm treating my patients with known atherosclerosis, let's say I do a, a carotid on them and I discover they've got subclinical atherosclerosis, I sit down with them and I say, listen, we have three goals here. I want to stop progression, I want to attempt regression, and I want to pacify the plaque that's there. And in my armamentarium of things to pacify plaque, all I really have is a statin, some fish oil, an aspirin, and maybe an arbor and ace. Am I, am I missing something that I should be adding to the mix to pacify any potential culprit lesions? At the moment, I think that's all we have. But I think down the road, it's very likely that we will have drugs or interventions that target reverse cholesterol transport in terms of mobilizing cholesterol out of the lesions and therefore stabilizing the lesion and inducing regression. And they are likely to be HDL-based therapies, although HDL seems like a dirty word right now, but we are confident that some form of HDL-based therapeutics will enter into clinical practice within the next five to seven years. My own laboratory is working on using a recombinant form of a mutant HDL, and we have done a series of experimental studies to show that this, given as an intravenous injection, will rapidly regress lesions and stabilize them. We are actually getting back on track in doing additional studies before launching large-scale human trials over the next two to three years. So there is going to be additional ways that we can address progression, regression, and stabilization down the road. But at the moment, this is what we have. And then, you know, obviously we're going to talk about vaccine a little bit later in this show, but we can still do quite a bit with the interventions at our disposal. If you've just tuned in or joined us, you're listening to a special segment on medical education on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and joining me today is Dr. Morteza Nagavi and Dr. P.K. Shah, and we're talking about ways to potentially eradicate heart attacks. Dr. Shah, I recently read in the news there's a company known as Lipid Sciences who's working on HDL delipidation, and they recently came out with a report showing they were able to actually shrink plaque anywhere from 20 to 35%. Are you familiar with that concept or that process? Yes, I am, Larry. Lipid Sciences uh, uses a very interesting approach where they do kind of like a dialysis. You remove the HDL delipidated ex vivo and then reinfuse the delipidated HDL particles, which are really pre-beta HDL. They are excellent participants in stimulating reverse cholesterol transport. And it's a very intriguing and interesting uh, method of actually enhancing reverse cholesterol transport, and it's currently undergoing clinical investigation. It's a very exciting potential in terms of an HDL-based strategy. It is somewhat more invasive and requires being hooked up to a dialysis machine. But look, if you have no other way to go and you have extensive atherosclerotic disease, there would be a role for something like this. We do LDL apheresis in patients with homozygous or resistant heterozygous hyperlipidemia, and that's the only thing that works for them. And similarly, for very, very high-risk patients who have nowhere else to go, if the lipidation is proven to work, it will have a role, potentially. Of course, other HDL-based therapeutics are also continuing to be evolving, and I think in the next three to five years, one or more of these 
I'm pretty confident will be available for use. I'd like to assess your confidence level and ask you a very provocative question. Let's say you have $100,000 of someone else's money to invest, and you, you can only put it on either a CETP inhibitor, an HDL mimetic, a niacin-related product, or an HDL delipidator. Where are you going to put your money? I think, quite interestingly, all of these are viable, although CETP may be a higher risk because we still don't know if that's going to be. I would put more of my money on an HDL mimetic. As Dr. Shah mentioned, all those new HDL-raising therapies are exciting, and different avenues are for that purpose. I was referring to the focal therapy that also has merits. You're talking about stenting and or drug-eluting stents, absorbable stents? Yes, absorbable stents has more merits, in my opinion, knowing the difficulties the drug-eluting stents have gone through. But the idea of creating a local solution once you identify very high-risk plaque has substantial merits. As I said, uh, credited my friend Peter Fitzroll from Stanford, who always uses this analogy of using tooth decay. You give uh, fluorine in water for the whole city. That's an analogy of statins and aggressive medical treatment to reduce the total burden of atherosclerosis and slow the progression. But for whatever reason, if you find a vulnerable plaque or a vulnerable patient that, as Kay said, in future we would have some non-invasive method of finger pointing one or two plaques. If you have that, and if you have a method of fixing it, for example, there are polluting stent that is absorbable and doesn't have risk of thrombosis and other complications, that approach is also very promising. So we, we have a non-invasive pharmacologic approach and an invasive possibly, but that invasive would be a very small population. Our biggest bank should be on the pharmacologic non-invasive out-of-hospital, apparently healthy people, because those are the ones that are fueling the overall burden of heart attack. So that leads to the ultimate question and development of something that can prevent the disease from even beginning, and that is a vaccine for atherosclerosis. Dr. Shah, is it a pipe dream, or is it something that we will see in our lifetime? In the annals of history of medicine, the most effective way of eradicating diseases have included development of vaccines, primarily for infectious diseases, and that's gotten rid of things like polio and and whooping cough and smallpox. And the idea that a vaccine targeting atherosclerosis could be developed germinated in our lab back in 1993-94, and since then, my own laboratory and the laboratory of my close collaborator, Jan Nilsson, in Sweden, we have come a long way in identifying antigens within the LDL cholesterol, and some of these antigens, when incorporated into a vaccine formulation, reduce atherosclerotic burden in mice by up to 70% using a single subcutaneous injection followed by one or two booster injections. And we have recently developed synthetic copies of these antigens using peptide chemistry. And we are actually in the process of organizing human investigation. And within the next year to year and a half, we are hoping to enter human clinical trials if FDA gives us the go-ahead. And that's very exciting. I mean, it's been 14 years in, in the making. The idea is to target the ApoB component of LDL 
And turns out ApoB is a very complex, uh, large protein, and we have identified nearly 100 antigenic motifs within the ApoB, and we've tested about a half a dozen of these sequences and shown some have profound atheroprotective effects in animal models. Now, obviously, the challenge is to prove that this is going to work also in humans, and that's uh, obviously something that we cannot predict, but we'll have to go through due diligence using human investigation. And I think that's going to happen over the next couple of years. Gentlemen, we are out of time, and I wish you, Dr. Shah, the best of luck in developing the vaccine. And Dr. Nagavi continued success with the SHAPE program. You've been listening to a special segment on medical education on the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. To comment or to listen to any of our podcasts, please visit us at ReachMD.com. If you register with the promo code RADIO, we will give you six months free of streaming ReachMD. You can listen to any time, day or night, at home or at work, on your computer. And thank you for listening.